Oh boy, I hope you're excited because today's podcast is a special treat. Think of it as a gift because that's how I think of it. I mean, I can't even wait. So a little different today, but you're going to love it. I promise. Hold on. Here comes the pod. Hey, everybody, Pre-Accident Investigation, it's the uh, podcast. Today, as I promised earlier in the teaser, is a special treat because today I want to introduce to you a project our friend Mark Yeston has been working on, okay? So this is a little, uh, think of this as like the sorbet for your ears. Not that you should actually put sorbet in your ears. In fact, I think that's probably a bad idea, but this is metaphorically sorbet for your ears. How's that? Um, this is fun. Mark's been working on this little project of doing some podcasts for rangers, people who are park rangers, National Park Service rangers, and uh, because they've got a million stories, as you can imagine, because we have millions of stories, and we're not even park rangers, so they must have multi-millions of stories. And he started to amass them, and quite honestly, I've been begging him to let me put this podcast up to, to sort of... Um, uh, get the ball rolling. That's a nice way to say that. To kind of kind of get started on this thing. And I thought there's nothing better than actually getting it, getting it out there so people can hear it. And that will increase desire, which will um, be cool. So he said, finally, in probably a weakness, I probably caught him in a weak moment. He said, I could. And so that is what we're going to enjoy. So sit back and relax because you're about to go on a little journey. This is Mark Yeston and his very own podcast. I think you'll find it very cool. On tonight's episode, The Aliens Among Us. Now, before you hang up, this is not going to be some UFO conspiracy podcast. We're going to hear about some of the strange things that happen in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night, and also about the creatures who do live among us, creatures strange enough to be aliens themselves. But first, a campfire story. Back when I was a new seasonal ranger working in Arches National Park, maybe my second or third season, I was finishing up a night shift. On this night, I did all the routine things. I checked to make sure the visitor center was all buttoned up for the evening, and I started the beautiful drive home to my trailer at the Devil's Garden Campground, about 18 miles up the road. I really liked that drive at night. There was nobody on the road. Everyone was pretty much hunkered down in the campground by that time, 11 or midnight, and the road was just kind of empty and quiet, which was a bit rare for a burgeoning, busy national park. Sometimes I'd see kit foxes, turns out they're cannibals. Other times I'd see short-eared owls, pygmy rattlesnakes, and always lots of bats. Late at night, the park was reclaimed to some degree by the wildlife. So I'd drive up, take to the pull-offs to see if I could find any illegal campers, give them some advice on decent places to camp, and maybe help them get a campsite in the park for the next night. On my way home... One place I would always stop was at the top of this hill where the road turns to dirt and heads down to a place called Salt Valley. Now, Salt Valley is a beautiful place in Arches National Park. At nighttime, it's just ink black. I mean, if somebody flicked a bick, lit a cigarette, and certainly if they had a campfire down there, 
you'd be able to see it from five miles away. On this particular perfect warm summer evening, with no moon, I saw some light down there. Because of the convoluted terrain, couldn't really tell where it was coming from. I decided to leave the pavement, drive down there, see if I could see what was going on. I was curious, so I headed down. The first part of the road has a couple of switchbacks, and then it drops down into a dry wash. As I drove along the wash, I got into an area that could best be described as badland. Little hills made of ancient muds, 60, maybe 70 feet tall, and a whole bunch of them. I drove up and down the section, didn't see any cars, didn't see any lights, thought to myself, this would be a good time to go out, take a little hike, have a look around, to see what I could see. So, I grabbed my flashlight, my headlamp, a water bottle, because you always have to have a water bottle, parked my truck in a wide spot beside the road in the dry wash, and I headed out. I clambered to the top of the first Badland hump, and about from two hills away, I could see the source of the light. It didn't look like the light from a campfire. Too bright, too cool. It didn't look natural. So I decided to descend and climb the top of the next hill to get a better look. When I topped out on the next one, I could still see the light, but now I could also hear a sound. And the sound was kind of like this. Just a gentle, weird hum in the breeze of the warm night. I couldn't tell what it was, but I knew for sure it wasn't natural. So, I determined to go climb the next hill, get an even better look, better vantage point. Now, when I got to the top of that next hill, I saw something I was completely unprepared for. In the pitch darkness, I didn't have my headlamp on to preserve my vision. It was hard to have perspective about the size and distance, but what I clearly saw was a brilliant silver disc, almost like a mysteriously floating hunk of an Airstream trailer from outer space. It was just kind of hovering there, floating above the surface and the ground, and it was just brilliantly illuminated. And the disc itself seemed to be suspended upon some sort of a bluish mist. Every once in a while, within that mist, there would be a bright orange or a yellow spark. At this juncture, I thought to myself, this is not just somebody who couldn't find a campground. Something odd is happening here. And because of my training, I thought I should probably key my radio, tell the sheriff's office dispatcher that I was on foot and observing something unusual. But then I had a second thought. What would he even say? I fast forwarded in my mind a couple of months into the future. Pictured myself on some late night AM radio show. That's right, Larry. I saw them aliens. They abducted me, did terrible things to me. I'm a park ranger. You can trust me. And then I decided not to call it in on the radio. The people listening would think I was crazy. And I was way too young in my career to go crazy. That would have to wait. So I descended the back side of the hill, got myself into a little wash pretty thick with vegetation, and I decided to kind of curl around so I could get a different perspective on what was going on. I walked maybe 
80 or 100 yards or 90 meters if we're going metric. And I came around the corner and the noise was even louder, kind of like a hum and a whistle at the same time. As I rounded that corner, stepping quietly through the vegetation, I could see the illuminated face of a sandstone cliff, a reflection from that light. And upon it, I could make out the enlarged shadow of some sort of humanoid figure. It was huge. Broad shoulders, thin waist, long legs, an exaggerated head. It wasn't moving too much. Probably tired from all the travel. Space lagged, I guess. But I got goosebumps. I wasn't too terribly nervous, just a little bit shaken. After all, I had a government-issued six-shooter on my side. But then I thought, do I want to be that guy who confronts the first alien in a bad way? No, I'm going to be careful about this. So I started soft-stepping through the vegetation, trying not to crack any branches or make any noise until I got closer. I could still hear that strange sound, a bit louder now. I'd lost sight of the disc. I didn't know if it had moved or if my perspective had just changed. I could still see the light from it reflected on the walls of this narrow little mini canyon. Now, of course, I didn't have my headlamp or flashlight on, being stealthy and all, as I was treading through the darkness quietly, slowly trying to get closer so I could figure out what this was all about. As I did that, my mind was racing. If it was going to be me who was going to have the first contact with the aliens, what would I say? How would I convey to them that we are, for the most part, pretty cool? As long as they didn't carry horrible diseases or bad attitudes, I'd welcome them to hang out with us and might even be able to get them a campsite come morning. I felt an awesome responsibility descending upon me. Mess this up, and it could mean generations of interstellar conflict. So. I tiptoed through the desert holly, trying again not to break any branches. I wondered if it was all for naught trying to be so quiet when I considered how big I thought their ears might be. After rounding the curve of the rock, I finally got to a point where I could see the actual disc again. From this perspective, it looked a heck of a lot smaller than it had from the top of the previous hill, and I thought to myself, how could such a large alien fit inside such a small spaceship? I thought again about keying my radio and telling the sheriff that I was about to make an investigative inquiry with some aliens illegally camped in the park. But again, I thought better of it. So I continued stealthily creeping along, and then there was the disc again. Now in the pitch dark blackness, when there's just one bright spot of activity, like this thing was, brilliantly illuminating the sagebrush around it, still floating on that weird mist. It looked like it was moving, to and fro, up and down, as objects often do in the darkness. Now, to be completely honest with you, I'll tell you that I considered at this point, maybe I should just head back to my truck, it's not too far, and then just drive back up to my trailer. It's only a few miles up the way. Tuck myself in for a good night's sleep, maybe have a shot of scotch, I'd wake up in the morning, fire up the typewriter, type up my reports from the previous day, 
never tell anyone about this close encounter, but I was just too curious, so I continued to press on. Now keep in mind, the vegetation I'm wandering through is pretty darn thick. It throws off all perspective. When I came around the next corner and ledge, I saw something that again totally surprised me. The human form, that humanoid form, the head, the shoulders, the legs, dangling gangly arms, and I wondered once again, how could this creature fit in such a small spaceship? I thought they'd probably have amazing technology that would be neat to share with the world. I could be the ambassador. The body was much, much smaller as I was seeing it front lit in the shadows and the brush, much smaller than the shadow I saw projected on the cliff. So I started to walk a little bit closer to him or her, and I considered for a moment, what if these are bad aliens or mean aliens? What if I had to defend myself? I paused for a second. My hand kind of inched over toward my revolver to unsnap. But then I thought, I'm an ambassador here. I'm going to come to them with open hands. And I'm going to try to keep a rock between myself and them. Just in case things go bad. By now that strange whistling humming sound was a bit louder. I looked over to my right and I saw the disc. It seemed more like the sound of the humming was not coming from the disc, but coming from somewhere further to the left. I wondered, are there two spaceships? Is the first one a probe? I'm not sure. So I continued to walk through the brush. I took my flashlight in my left hand, kept my right hand sort of at the ready near my holster in a non-threatening way. And I continued to walk until I was about maybe ten paces from the form who was just standing there silently with his back to me in the darkness. And then I inhaled, turned on my bright flashlight, and illuminated the creature, and I said, Park Ranger! And he threw his hands out to from his sides, and he said, I have a permit, in perfect English. And I said, For what? Now, in the bright wash of my flashlight, what I saw before me was anything but an alien. It was just a guy. A guy wearing a short sleeve button-up shirt. Shorts. I think cargo shorts. River sandals. And one of those kind of dorky nylon hats that people wear in the desert. In case of rain, I suppose. He was blinded by my light as he turned, startled toward me. He was clearly shaken. And so was I. So we kind of had that in common. I asked him, What are you talking about? What do you have a permit for? And he started to kind of reach down to show me his permit, apparently. And I said, no, 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 just hang on. Let's figure this out. Let me figure out what's going on here. And then he explained, I'm a researcher. I'm an entomologist. Now, I like bugs a lot, as long as they're not in my bed. And I'm fascinated by entomology. So I let my guard down a little bit. And I asked him with all sincerity, what planet are you from? And he said, Denver, Earth. And I said, oh, that's kind of disappointing, but also kind of relieving. Tell me what you're up to. And then I walked out of the bushes into the clearing where I could hear that humming noise way more clearly off to my left. And I could see that the disc that I'd seen from the dark perspective from a couple of hills back 
was about 50 feet in front of us. It was much smaller than I'd originally perceived, and I asked, What are you doing out here? And he said, Well, basically, I'm looking for a beetle that was found here by scientists back in the 1940s, and we're trying to see if it's still out here. So I got a research permit for it, and that thing you see over there, it's basically a big bug zapper. You dig a hole in the ground, put in a five-gallon pail at the bottom of the hole, set up the wire mesh and these bright blue fluorescent lights, and then you skirt it with an aluminum disc on top, and then it's powered by that little Honda generator I've got over there making the humming noise. Bugs flying toward the light get zapped. They fall into the bucket, and then I sort through the unfortunates in the morning looking for the right beetle. So my idea of being the first earthly ambassador to the visiting aliens was pretty much dashed, but I did make a new friend. Sometimes you have those moments in the darkness when your brain starts to play tricks on you and the perspectives morph into a reality of your own imagination. For me, not that it matters, but it seems mathematically improbable, as the scientists tell us, that in this vast universe of ours, we're probably not alone. Seems unlikely. But on this particular night, it was just me and this guy entomologist who was out there looking for beetles. We became friendly, just as I'd intended in the event he turned out to be an alien, and I told him I'd save him a campsite come morning. After my close encounter with the entomologist that night, I hiked back to my truck, drove home, and decided that night to sleep outside, behind the trailer. I lay on my back and I stared into the indigo sky of the wee hours. I saw the soup of stars, smear of the Milky Way, and the occasional meteor burning up in our beloved thin membrane of an atmosphere. Happy to be here on this little speck of dust, hoping that when and if someone else comes to visit from somewhere far away, that they'll see it as a special place and that they won't be disappointed with the way we've taken care of our little floating garden. In the meantime, we've got plenty of aliens right here among us. Let's be hospitable to them, too. So what's the verdict? What do you think? I told you. Isn't it great? It's really great. I mean, I'm super jealous that he was able to just have all that talent bottled up and he could just take the little top off and it shoots out. That's perfect. But isn't that fun? And what a treat for us, too, just to kind of, you know, moisten our ears. The sorbet for our ears. Let's stay with that theory. But a special thanks to Mark Yeston for letting us have that content. That was really cool. Um, special thanks to you for listening. I knew you'd like it, so I it was pretty low risk on my part. I mean, trust me, I didn't step out too far to get this out there. Well, I had to kind of um, – it took me a long time to get him to give me permission. So getting to yes – was a difficulty, but once I knew I got there, I was going for it. Full blast as fast as I can run. That is cool. And I also think the times being what they are, it's kind of nice to have a moment where we can just think about other things. Think about creativity in a different way. And that's exactly what we did. So that's the pod. That is it. It was great. Thank you, Mark. You are a talented cat, and I appreciate your storytelling. 
in all forms, but I really liked it in this podcast. It was good, man. You did a good job. Until then, learn something new every single day. I I bet you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. That's really important. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe.